You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. One day, I would like to give you a gift of a Colombian necktie. <laughs> Very special. You slit the throat, pull out the tongue, and I knew <laughs> it would look beautiful. Why don't you give it to me right now? Yeah, okay, Eddie. Well, look what's here. Nice to see you out with the boys for a change, Cusack. Greggy? They tell me my sergeant <laughs> wouldn't sign for me. Want to tell me why? You know why. No, tell me. Mister, you don't belong on the streets anymore. You, where do you get off? Right about here. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... I don't know. I was in there watching films with my girl. The next thing I know, he locked the door. He took the truck, went out the south end. I don't know what happened. Okay, what the hell's going on here? Cusack took off with the whole truckload of armor. It's a one-man army now. And I tell you, the son of a bitch is crazy. Okay, everybody, no more games. Where's Cusack? He's saving the world. <laughs> Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind, episode 28, here on the Mackie and Judd Show. Code of Silence, 1985, our first Chuck Norris flick, gentlemen. We've done Steven Seagal movies. We've done Sylvester Stallone movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who am I? I mean, uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. You name it, we've pretty much oh, done. We've run the Mel gamut Gib- now. Eddie Murphy, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. <laughs> but, but there's one legend of action that we have yet to dive into here. And I feel like he's a little bit of an afterthought when it comes to action movies, even though that's how he built his legacy. Because he's become more of a meme in modern culture. And he looks the same at age like 80 as he did when he was 40. Google a, Google a picture of Chuck Norris. He literally has like 80. He's dyed, 80. dyed red beard and red hair. Uh-huh. Pretty amazing. Okay. So Code of Silence from 1985. We're going to do a deep dive. Okay, home team. Ready in a bullpen. Come to Chuck's Double play. Center's in. Talk to me, left field. Damn it. Ready, sir. Left field is in position. Okay, guys, run around first base. Double play. You got him in sight? Yeah, we got the eyes on him. Is that how real undercover cops talk to each other, by the way? The baseball fans, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, double switch, shift over at the left, left left-handed batter. Never bunt. Never, ever bunt. (laughs) Not now. We've learned that in law enforcement. You don't bunt. (laughs) We got a log. Strikeout swinging on three pitches. Miguel, strikeout swinging on three pitches. (laughs) High fastball. All right, here's the summary, and then we'll dive into all of the different things. In Chicago. Chicago. Honor-driven Sergeant Eddie Cusack, that's Chuck Norris, and his team stake out a drug exchange involving notorious drug czar Luis Camacho. Cusack is caught off guard, however, when rival mafia kingpin Tony Luna and his disguised crew show up, unleash a torrent of gunfire on Camacho's crew, and make off with both the cash and the cocaine. Now Cusack must fight both gangs and corruption in his own department in order to stop the drug war. 
Chuck Norris, Dennis Farina making his first ever appearance of many as a cop in a movie in this one. I've got a note on that for you guys. A real Chicago cop? He was. At the time of this movie, he was a real Chicago cop. Great, great hair. Also, we had the Tommy Gun guy from Home Alone playing Craggy. You guys remember? Yeah. Oh, is that in, who that in, was? In the black yeah. and white movie? Yeah. I'm going to give yeah. you to the count of 10 to get your dead, Ugly, no good, yeah, yella. carcass off of my property. Oh. One, two, ten. And he shoots him. I've out. got a lot of thoughts on Craggy, by the way. <laughs> Craggy's a. When we get to Craggy, when we get to Craggy, that's a breakdown. Also, yeah. did, you, did you notice Milton from Office Space played one of the cops in this movie? You guys, you guys Office Space fans? Oh, I love Office Space. Oh, that, that's why I knew the voice. It wasn't, you couldn't really tell by his voice as much. It was more just like he looked still exactly, you know, 13 years earlier, he looked like Milton from Office Space. And, and, mustache and, and Milton was in news radio, correct? I think that's yeah. true. He was yeah. the boss in that show. He's great. He's a great actor. And, he's hilarious. Uh, Brennan, the officer, Rob Dean, the actor, he's Andrew's dad in Breakfast Club that drops him off and, and reams him for, yes, for messing around. That's right. Look at all the time. Oh, oh my dude. god! There's more too. Like there's probably five more of these that we could do. Yeah. So just a lot of a lot of fun little <laughs> side characters. Sixty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A seven million dollar budget turned into twenty million dollars at the box office. Judd, what was your key takeaway from this particular movie? Code of Silence. I have so many. Th- Thoughts and and just because I've never seen this and I loved it. It's yeah, so it. it's such a it's such a Judd film. Um, my first thought is, dare I say this? This is the type of film that my guy Seagal completely ruins in a good way. And Chuck Norris actually doesn't like if that makes any sense. And, and I know yeah, it's campy. I, I hear you. And I know it's a cop film, but like this was the script was basically the exact same between what Seagal did in his cop films at times and this film. But because Chuck Norris, I guess the best way to say this is can sort of act and Seagal can't. Not particularly well. Not but, particularly yeah, but, well, but, but Seagal can't act. Seagal. And yeah. that's what yes. I love about I love Seagal because he just flat out can't act and he doesn't know it. Yeah. Um, and Chuck Norris can act a little bit. Then I felt like I was I was watching a Seagal script that basically got shoveled off to Chuck. But that's my first thought is that this was I thought it was running time perfect. Um I thought the character development, if not hilarious, was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. This is a film I never would have watched to my dying day unless it, it was part of this um in part of in part of our yeah. reviews. And because I did, I'm better for it. Declan, what was your main takeaway from this movie? Uh there there's a lot. I love all the undercover cops. <laughs> I, I would honestly it's say amazing. that's my favorite part. You, I wrote, you had undercover cops and undercover mafia members. Yeah. Like everyone's just undercover as a painter. Yeah, so. Everyone's undercover the whole movie. Why are those painters there? And I also this didn't really happen until the pool scene where he's at the pool bar. <laughs> that's a great But the sound effects of every punch and kick. Here. Who wants the first one? Hmm? You amigo? How about you, huh? The gun capital. Listen to these. Take him butt. <laughs> Good call. 
Like usually, usually I omit that stuff from the sound effects that I or sound bites that I pull from movies. But it was so unique, I had to pull it. Like what, you hear clear as day, him he kicks a guy below the groin, and you just hear a nut. Like it snaps, <laughs> and you hear bones snap, and you hear everything snap. I was shocked for like what? And this is 1985, I believe. 86, yeah. 86. So or something, yeah. Maybe it, whatever. They were right on brand with the sound effects. I thought that surround was also sound, hilarious. Yes, yeah, around sound, surround sound. Back yeah. in the day, my main takeaway from this movie is that it was just wildly entertaining. And Chuck Norris, I've, I've. I've only seen one Chuck Morris uh, movie straight through, and it was 1993 Sidekicks. It's kind of a kid's movie. It's like a kid. I've never seen a, one a, before. A kid. He's, it was probably Chuck Norris's most, I would say, like mainstream successful movie because it blended in with like – it was right into his Walker, Texas Ranger debut in the early 90s. Uh, but I've never seen like a vintage, classic Chuck Norris action movie straight through before. And I just made a full list of like all the amazing things that happened. I just want to kind of go through this because my main takeaway was <laughs> I want to watch more Chuck Norris movies. That's my main takeaway. So early on, there's the scene where he goes to the art gallery to find Diana Luna, right? And so he walks over. He sees Diana Luna talking to that nerdy art guy and then uh, some other woman. And he walks over and he asks, excuse me, can you tell me who that girl is? Which is a weird thing to do. Like in, yes. 20, in 2020, that doesn't hold up. You would never just like walk up to strangers and say, hey, who's your friend? I think I know her. Yeah, because right. They'd be like, uh, you call the cops. Yeah. So you're, you're a creep, <laughs> you're right? A and then he'd say, I am the cops. But he goes. I'm going to kick your ass. He asks, can you tell me who that girl is? The one in the black slacks. Mm-hmm. She was wearing, if you remember, like a bright red puffy pirate shirt. <laughs> And black slacks. And he walks up to this group and asks, hey, uh, do you know who that girl was? And then he's and then he's like, I'm going to describe her for you. She was wearing black pants and no mention of like the red puffy like pirate shirt. So just like, I don't know if that was an ad lib or if it was like part of the script. Um, he Then he catches the artist doing coke in the back and gets great. on the phone and loudly shows that he's a cop and then says, catch you later as catch he walks later. back out. That was pretty good. Um, when he walks onto, was it uh, Scalise, I think, uh, the guy's boat, the uncle of, of oh, yeah. Tony Luna. He walks on the guy's boat and tells him to rein in his nephew, Tony Luna. And then he punches, as, as he's walking out, he punches that one guy off the boat and does the callback line of, it's not a threat, it's a prediction. Like, he has these little Seagal lines. They tell me you're incorruptible. Untarnished. I hear they called you stainless steel on the street. Me, I think you're a pain in the ass. Looking for one of your nephews, Tony Luna. Goodbye, Mr. Cusack. Nobody talks, right? That's right, Sergeant. Just like the cops. Just like the Camachos. Nobody talks. Omerta. I'm going to find Tony Luna, and I'm going to nail his ass. Anyone else connected to him? You got that? Why, you funk. Nobody threatens me. It's not a threat, Mr. Scalise. No! <laughs> it's a prediction. Oh, it's so good. Because he had thrown that, Genius. that oh, guy good. in before he got yes. on the boat, and then he punched him back as he was trying yeah, to get so back good. on the boat. You also had the scene where, so he dives off the bridge in downtown Chicago into the river to chase that guy. Of course, when he gets in the water, the other guy looks up and gets hit by a speedboat, and so right. he's dead. And then Chuck Norris swims over to a nearby police boat, you know, this is downtown Chicago, for God's sake. Yeah, there's like there's right people. The bridge there, yeah. They're showing people like looking over the bridges. Yeah. So he gets out of the boat 
soaking wet, does not dry himself off, and immediately makes eye contact with Diana Luna from like 150 or 200 yards away on the bridge and walks over slowly, again, soaking and dripping wet downtown Chicago, having just gotten out of the river, and sits down and says, like, I'll protect you. We'll go to the safe house with my random weird friend yeah. who makes scrambled eggs who, for breakfast uh, and course, sausage for you. Who, of course, is going to have to die <laughs> because we have to kill all the people around me who I like. Yes. So, I don't know. I guess you know, but my long-winded way of saying is, like, I think Chuck Norris is great at this. And <laughs> I think a lot of people are probably like, yeah, idiot. Like, we've known that for 40 years. What did you guys make of Chuck Norris as an action movie star? I loved how the hair never moved. He's got that great puffy 80s head of, of hair, yeah. and it never moves. He gets beat up. It doesn't move. He gets hit in the back by a pool cue ball. It doesn't move. Um, here's the most interesting thing to me, and it's true of Seagal films. It's true of this film, and it's basically true of all of those cop films across the board. You start – so if – you were going to write one of those films, you had a blueprint that you started with. It's very, very clear, clear as day. And it includes this. The main character, while while everyone else will be shot around him, the, the main character and the heroine will never <laughs> be shot. They will be threatened. They will be tortured. And I will, and I would have killed his cop buddy in a second. But for Chuck's character... I can have him six ways to Sunday. He's he's dead, right? I've got him. I've got him, and I can kill him, but I won't. The other thing that I absolutely love too is is the old, and it's true at the end of every Seagal film, and it's true at the end of this film. You basically create mass destruction, right? You blow up everything. You cost your your city thousands, millions of dollars in damage. You're blowing up warehouses or you're shooting up yeah. streets. You are, you are without any thought, basically going to get the bad guys. And you might kill 20 people. <laughs> but the boss asks you the question, coming to work tomorrow? And you always say, <laughs> you pause. You look at the camera a little bit and you're like, I'll see it. Then. Well, notice, he wasn't just looking at the camera. He was looking at the other cops to see... Because those cops had disowned him. I know. Because he ratted out Craggy. Well, Craggy's And so he looks at the other cops, and they all give the slight nod, like, we know that you were right about Craggy. (laughs) We know that guy. We'll get to the Craggy part, but uh, they give him the nod, and then he gives the thumbs up. But don't you love the the, thumbs up? Like, like. There would be so much paperwork to have to put, turn in. Oh, there you just that's, cre- the, that's you the just, sequel, the paperwork. You cleanup. just killed all of these people. You just basically and you demolished all of this stuff. You took in this in this film. You took probably a million dollar police robot that they were working on and used it for your own gain. I love how Jeb brings up the paperwork. Would you watch the sequel, Code of Silence, Administration Monday, Administration. the paperwork cleanup? <laughs> I just like how there's never any like repercussions of yeah you just kill 25 people nah it's okay whatever ah right, let's go to a pub boys let's tip a couple back this will be amazing you coming to work tomorrow yeah by the way this is the end sequence hey Eddie hey Kurt I got a great idea mail order Christmas trees think about it see you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and 
uh, he, he gives the nod. Not 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 great uh, as an audio, but he gives the nod and the music. The playing. music's great, though. Yeah, I had to keep it in there. So um, my, my when I was a kid on the Chuck Norris front, I used to watch my family and I every single. I think it was Friday nights, maybe it was Saturday nights. Walker Texas Ranger was one of the most popular shows in the nineties. I think if you're making like a Mount Rushmore of nineties TV shows and you take out sitcoms. So if you take out like I think there's sitcom Mount Rushmore and then there's the drama and action Mount Rushmore TV shows. ERs on it. Oh yeah. I think I think Walker Texas Ranger is on that list. It was very highly rated from like it was, it was an 8 year run. Yeah. CBS. CBS. Yep. Okay. And I think it wasn't it just like it. it was like after Letterman on Friday nights or something. So it had a great lead in. So you never watched Walker Texas Ranger? Never watched. Oh, never watched God. one of them. Every single episode. I'm assuming Declan, you, you were probably too young to watch the show. No, I, I. But I always saw it on the guide and stuff too. Just like exact same time spots you're saying. So every episode was an hour, and every episode followed the same timeline. I think they may have had some like cliffhanger part one, part twos, but every episode was something happens to Chuck Norris or friends or something happens. Um, he has to go through some adversity in the middle part of it, and then at the end, it's just him, usually without a weapon kicking ass for like the last 10 minutes of the show and never being shot yeah because <laughs> we can't out. shoot him <laughs> no. we've shot everybody else nope. we got to get eight seasons out of this no guy, bullets left the other thing i remember from that era and this is probably before declan too but judd you have to remember the total gym infomercials with oh, chuck yeah. norris and christy brinkley oh very much so yeah all the time good looking people very good looking people very good well, looking people i would say christy brinkley better looking in her realm than Chuck Norris was. Oh, sure, in but uh, Chuck, yeah. Chuck's a build guy. A couple of very fit people. Yes. And it was Who just kick like, your ass. people thought they were like together I mean, and married, but apparently they weren't. She was, she was with Billy Joel at one point in the 80s, I think it was. Yeah. And then they got divorced. And she's been married a few times. Yeah. But it was basically like them for an hour, just like spotting each other on the total gym. Half, actually, half actually, actually, the first swimsuit issue that turned up in young Judd Zolgad's oh, mailbox, oh, circa oh, 79 or 80. Oh, my God. Christy Brinkley on the cover. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me tell you, that was a highlight. I'm serious. No, it's like we, the first we, one I we got. Know, we know. It's, we like the first, it's like the first one, the first SI. And this is back when it was just part of the weekly SI. It's yeah. like, hey, it's Jim Palmer one week, Wayne Gretzky the next. And here's a half naked Christy Brinkley for you. Hey, it's 66. Amazing, man. Still looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. she's Honestly, yeah. she, she was supposed to be on Dancing with the Stars a year or two, but then she like broke her arm and her daughter took over. But then she was in the crowd every And it's like she looks the same as she did 25 yeah, she years ago. Remarkable. Yes, it's amazing what uh, millions of dollars in surgeries can do. Mm. All right, uh, we've kind of de- this is my fault. We've kind of deviated from some of the categories that we've done through the early portion of Action Movie Rewind. So I want to get back to those and ask your favorite part of Code of Silence, Judd. It has to be. I'm going to go off the map here a little bit. Mm-hmm. It has to be the scenes with Craggy, okay, who <laughs> might be the best most cliched corrupt cop yes. of all time without like this guy, the Craigie guy, the, the, or, or the, actor. Actor. the guy from the black and white Home, movie in home, home alone. alone. Okay. Like, I think he got the script and he's like, I'm getting older this role. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and like all the lines were cliched. What, what are you talking about? Huh? You're not going to turn on me now. Are you Yeah, like the, like the machismo? Yes. And the- and, but it's like the, and, and, 
<laughs> Fuck it. You're not going to turn on me now, huh? huh? Like, Here's the other thing. So when, so when, when he shoots the defenseless, innocent, completely kid, okay? Yeah, let's set that up. Can real we quick, talk about that scene? Yeah. It's possible some people super messed up. Okay, so he comes I, I, upstairs. I would hope that some people, like when you when you know what movie we're gonna watch, watch it with us. It makes these more fun. Yeah, but yeah, they're chasing they're chasing the they're chasing the guys who were were posing as painters. Yeah, and they're like canvassing, and and Craigie and his partner, the very cliched young partner. I'm green. I don't know what to do here. They come up the stairs. Craigie comes up the stairs first. There is. A kid standing outside his grandma's door. Yeah. Okay, so here's the part that I actually, actually, it's my favorite part. (laughs) The kid is standing there by himself. He basically pivots around to be like, what's going on here? Craigie, without any thought. No judgment. Blows him away. (laughs) Just blows him away. Okay, but it gets better. It gets better. Oh, my God. What did I do? Young partner who's green and doesn't know what to do comes up. It's like, what happened here? Uh, The guy pulled a gun because Craigie's got the cliche police drop piece in his sock, which is great, too. He puts it on the kid. Now, here's the part (laughs) I want to get to to talk to you guys about because... To me, it's where the film had a budget, and they're like, oh, Christ, let's not pay more people. Mm-hmm. It's this. The kid's grandma and whoever is in the apartment right. are making a ton of noise yeah. and are clearly trying to articulate to the crowd, the the audience right. watching the film, that they know that Junior has been shot, okay? <laughs> but they never come out. Never we sure. never see them. Never all we hear them. is this can. Oh, no. Oh, he can't be. Think about that. It's all canned. It's like literally, It's they probably just bought that sound yeah. from somewhere and played it. I just and, love and by the, the way, By the way, like I, I hadn't thought about that angle, but it's a it's a close quarters apartment complex hallway. Yeah. There's multiple family members clearly just inside the door because like the kid opened the door and there's like a ruckus and stuff, right? Yes. He gets shot. So there's, there's a gunshot in the hallway. No one thinks to peek out the, the door. No. The kid is dead. No one thinks to be out the door. No one ever and comes out. And the cop plants a gun on the kid, and no one so. from that kid's family like shows up at the hearing or anything to but say. But they didn't see it because didn't. they didn't exist. <laughs> they were can sound. It was can sound. But the whole thing, the whole scene goes down with this poor, what, 14, 15-year-old yeah, kid. kid. Yeah. And nobody ever comes out. <laughs> Like, I don't, how did they dispose of the body? Yeah, like, there's. I feel like there's a whole nother movie if they wanted to, and I would watch it totally. If there yeah, was I'm like, if there was a movie, if they would have done it like as a sequel, and it was just called Craggy, and it was Craggy's life, thirty years as a Chicago police officer. How did he get to be such a bad apple? You don't belong on the streets. So Craig. grizzled, Craggy. What led Craggy to that moment, and then the trial? Although, although Craggy's partner, who, who then. Gets assigned to um, to Cusack is also so cliched. It's beautiful. He's troubled. He's I, I yeah, he's, he's drinking beer to cover up his emotional wreckage. Yeah. And so baggage. anyway, but the but the craggy stuff to me was just marvelous. It's, amazing. it's awesome. Dex, what was your favorite part of this movie? So we kind of briefly touched on it, but it's when uh, when Chuck Norris is, is stalking the daughter, like throughout the entire day at the park and then at the at the library and then he's at the art show and i'm thinking to myself like man like he looks like a pretty legitimate undercover dude like he doesn't even look like he's a cop i I wrote down he had like a tweed jacket on yes right like a turtleneck he's in an art club 
I'm like, man, th- this this dude fits right in. Like, th- like good on Chuck Norris here. And then Chuck Norris walks up to her, and within three seconds, <laughs> she knows he's a cop. So I like it was a self error on my part, being like, man, this is really good. Like he he's blending in. He like I would imagine this dude being at an art show. Yeah, they're standing next to the same painting, and he goes, uh, "Can can you make that do out?" Under- or whatever? Do you understand it? And <laughs> and then she within three seconds, you're a cop, dude. Like, and I'm just like, well, I'm an idiot because so, like it was self error, but also it fits so well because like you also don't know, and it's one of my nitpicks too, but like. Is she 17? Is she 25? Like, how old is yeah, the daughter? That's very like, true. Okay. We never really touch on that. Yeah, that's we're, true. Yeah. we're And let's save that for a second because yeah, that, that's it. actually part of my least favorite thing about the movie. For sure. So uh, off of Dex Point, too. And these were huge at that time. And they were the most uncomfortable. I couldn't stand them. The sweater that he wears throughout that film, mm-hmm. I hated those things. The turtleneck? The turtleneck sort of, but it's not a turtleneck. It's sort of a turtleneck, but it's sort of, I think some of them are lower cut. Anyway, in the 80s, these things were huge. And they were, as far as I was concerned, uncomfortable. They didn't look good. Like, I hated them. And I think he's sporting one throughout the whole film. He is. He's going to be very sweaty underneath that thing. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking is, like, for for all the karate stuff, is that comfortable, though? Like, he's got tight jeans on. And like a fitting, a fitted sweater. I mean, every single episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, he had like tight Wranglers, boots and spurs on and like, <laughs> like a leather jacket and, yeah, and, 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 a, and a hat that stayed on too. He had like the Ranger hat that never <laughs> fell off his head. It's amazing. Um, my favorite thing about this movie, other than just like Chuck Norris being Chuck Norris, I think my favorite part about this movie was when those two dudes walk into that bar full of cops and try and rob the bar. So it's this dive bar with the old style sign out, right? And yes. and you've got the the two nervous robbers out in this car Clearly across a cop the street. Bar too. Like it's the most clear cop bar ever. Yes. Yeah. And if they had done any scouting yes. at all whatsoever, they would have realized it's a cop bar. So they walk in. They've got this plan. Like you go to the bathroom, and then I'll go up and I'll just like they were talking and, and strategizing. I'll uh, I'll order something at the bar, mm-hmm. and then you come back, and then we'll we'll do our thing. And the guy goes, what are you going to order? He goes, I don't, what does it matter for? Like, I'm, I'm not going to drink it. And, I, and that stuck in my head because when he goes in and he orders a drink, instead of just ordering like an old style or something, he orders <laughs> a black Russian and a shot. He orders like. Yeah, maybe it changed his mind. I don't mm-hmm. know. But like he wasn't going to drink them. So why would you order two things in that spot if you're not going to? It doesn't make sense. And then why would you rob a bar, period? Like well, of all, the, of all the things you could bars, bar- But like, wouldn't you have scouted? Oh, it's a cop bar. Maybe we shouldn't rob that one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but even if, like, it's not a cop bar, you've got a couple of guns, you're looking to rob something. Yeah. Aren't there places you could rob where there's not going to be, like, 30 people inside? Couldn't you, like, that go scene, rob a jewelry store. That, go rob- that scene was literally like they stopped and said, the film's too short. Let's have some comic relief. Because, right. yes. like, it's just a comedy. Yeah, it was. And then there's the line um, when they, so so the 30 cops all pull their gun at the same time, which is a great scene. And then they've got these two guys in a booth and they're just like, they've just like, they're pointing guns at them in the booth and stuff. They're not detaining them or anything. They're just like mess. They're just drunk and messing with these two guys. <laughs> well, the- and the one guy goes, what are you, John Wayne? This is Milton. I think it was Milton from Office Space with the, with the retort. I'll make you Jane Wayne if you don't shut up. And he points the shotgun at the guy's, you know what? Jane so yes. I think cause like that scene, the reason why I say that scene is because I think it just like encapsulates the entire vibe of corny 80s kind of grimy dive bar. Yeah. 
machismo action movies. Yes. Like everything about it. There's like 40 people drawing guns. It's machismo. It's a dive bar. It's roadhouse. It's everything. One thing that I really did like sincerely about this film, a great use of Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like they did a they did a great job with backdrops, bat scenes and stuff. They did a fantastic job of of taking this of giving you the feeling of the city itself. In fact, where does this movie rank among great downtown Chicago movies? Ooh. Blues Brothers. Well, and Blues I say Brothers I say one. great in quotes. Yeah, Blues Brothers, great. The Fugitive. Yeah, it's true. Fugitive. This is probably, is this better than The Fugitive as far as use of scenes of the city? I was going to say, there's nothing about this movie that's better than The Fugitive. No, 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 no. I'm saying the actual um, shooting They dyed the river green for, uh, or at least they filmed on St. Patrick's Day. They do a lot of, this film was actually good at taking the city seriously as opposed to like um, Seagal films where it's just like, I'm in Brooklyn. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's the same bodega for the eighth time. Yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off might oh, be in great one. this Mount Rushmore. Correct. One. Correct. Probably a bunch of other ones, too, that we're forgetting. But, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely on list. They, they did a great job oh, showcasing yeah. downtown Chicago. Oh, and here, another thing. In fact, for cop films, we should do this from now on. We should have the list of things that have to happen for it to be an official cop film. I'm, I'm here for it. Because... Because Cusack has the line near the beginning, which every great cop film has, I don't need a partner. Where the sergeant always tries to be like, your partner got shot, and so, Eddie, I, I'm i going to give you the kid. I work alone. I always work alone. <laughs> Do that's you, yeah, that's another staple. I feel like he was hard on Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina's out here throwing business ideas at him. Let's open a hot dog stand. Let's well, an, an alligator farm. at him every time. <laughs> and he just hot dog him, stand buddy. outside the Cubs games at uh, Wrigley Field. We get, we get free tickets to go inside. Well, uh, how would we watch the games if we're selling hot dogs outside? <laughs> oh, but, I guess I never thought of that. No. <laughs> Guess I, ne- guess I never thought of that. His before. character is is supposed to be just basically comic r- relief the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Farina's character is supposed to be just this, which is hilarious because he's great. But like he went on to all of these really good films and shows, and in that one, it's like just play a goofball. But he also just plays Dennis Farina in every movie that he was ever yeah. in. Right? He's he's just a yeah. But I feel like the writing and the Farina. roles got really pretty decent for for him. And this was just like just keep suggesting off the wall stupid things. Yeah, and he was as we mentioned earlier, he was an actual Chicago police officer during the making of this film, moonlighting before he became a full time actor when uh, when cast in the leading role. Eventually, the next year of the television series Crime Story. What was your least favorite part about this movie, Judd? That's difficult because I really enjoyed the entire thing. <laughs> I have a major one. If Go ahead. Okay. Because Declan kind of alluded to it. Sure. I couldn't tell what Eddie and Diana were supposed to be. Yeah, dude. Like It the, was freaky. The, I have it written down too. It was, there were, it, it was, I'm trying to, I'm trying to describe the vibe. Like the chemistry between them was, a, it, it was like a house cat and an old man or something. Like it was. There's that one scene where her entire family was just killed. Yeah. And she's on the run from the Camachos. And and he has taken her to his 
good friend's house, the small little house where he's just slinging scrambled eggs and like got your protein. Yeah, he's, he's, a, protein. he's a former cop, man. Yeah, he's a weird. former cop. And oh, and so I, they're they're sitting on the bed next to each other, Chuck Norris and yeah. uh, and Diana. And she's like, this, I, uh, reading on Wikipedia, this was her first ever like actual acting gig. Like, she's from here. Is she? Oh, she funny. was born One here, wow. Minneapolis. Yes. Nice. And she's kind of like trying to force a cry, and she's saying, "What do you do if you don't have someone?" And Chuck Norris looks at her and goes, "You find someone." <laughs> and it looks like, <laughs> and it looks like, oh, they're are they gonna like make out here? This is weird. And she goes, "Will you hold me?" Yeah. And then he hugs her, and it just kind of feels like. Is Chuck Norris taking advantage of her entire family getting killed to like move in and try and build a relationship right now? Yeah. And then and then later on, toward the end of the movie, he carries her out of the wreckage of the warehouse and you know, she's been like tied up for however many days. And he brings her to the ambulance and puts her on the stretcher, and she's kind of looking at him like, Oh, he's my but He's Declan's right. Shining armor you don't and, know her age. And he kisses her on the forehead, and you're like, wait a second. I thought right. they were like going to get together early right. in the movie, but now is she 14? I don't even know. But Dex is right. They never give you, like, is she 21? Is and she 25? Even is she like she's like 15? being held captive, like her entire shirt's like unbuttoned. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, so I don't think it's a teenager. Like, I think it's an adult woman, but <laughs> it's really freaky. I and, think she was in college. I think she okay. was college age. Like, she's. She's an art, I think, an like art, art student who's but at the Chuck Chicago is like Art Gallery. Then, right? Yes. How old was he actually in real life? Probably yeah, forty, like, yeah, forty something. Forty-five, yeah. I think. I don't know. Well, I mean, Mike Zimmer's got an Instagram. This is, model for you know what? This very good point. So. I, I'll back off. Now. <laughs> Mike Zimmer's like sixty-five. So I've Instagram got, gal. So I've I've got two. One is da- Diane, right? Her da- whole, Diana. Diana. Her whole family gets killed. The longtime, I don't know, protector, mafioso protector of the family comes to get her and says, your mom's dead. The family's dead. And then they go on the run and then the protector guy gets killed. Okay. So then at the end of the next chase, Cusack and Diana are together and she says, is it true? Like, she doesn't even know this guy. And a longtime family friend who basically is paid to protect the the uh, family, who has, by the way, failed miserably, has told her your family's been dead, and she's asking him, is it true? The other thing, and this is... She, she didn't seem nearly as distraught as she should have been. No. Knowing that her entire family was killed. Well, and Correct. Like, and then she forced the cry then, but it was like... But, I mean, when, once the guy says... Your family's dead. It'd be like, okay, thank you very much. The other thing, and th- this is a uh, bigger picture view of, it's not really a complaint, but I found it to be murky. At times, the commitment to violence, I questioned on both sides. Like, there was some of the violence which was pretty sellable, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's good. And then there were times where it appeared that they took the easier way out on the violence. Like, the whole scene with the painters, right? Yeah. Like, I thought we could have had more there. And then there's a long span without anything. And then and then when the guys in the truck kill her family, it's really Dude. lazy. It's a really lazy kill. Like, like the mom comes out, how are the tomatoes? The yeah. tomatoes no, look she good. Says, she says, oh, look at these eggplants. And then, <laughs> brrr, 
but, but they don't. But they just fall down. They're not even like bleeding. Imagine they don't sell. How you die is look at these eggplants. And there's a half dozen gunmen in a, in a truck. But your, Dex, didn't your you want more? Word is eggplant. eggplant. <laughs> But didn't you want more, Declan? At that point, I'm like, if you're going to kill him, kill him. And then and then the ultimate in lazy is they go and kill the rest of the family in the house. And all you hear is, again, the canned gun sound. Right. So you wanted, like, actual, like, intestines flying out of and someone's went, body, you, getting sawed in half by a shotgun or if something. If you're admiring okay. eggplants and you get blown away, I want to see you. She just sort That's of, fair. like, it's just like, fall down now. She just sort of falls down. It's like, no, you just got blown away. That's fair. By, a, by, as Declan said, too, he's right, a machine gun. Yeah. Like, your body would be blowing up. Dex, what was your least favorite part of this movie? Uh, okay, I feel like you guys might have a nitpick with it, but the whole train chase scene, like, not the chase scene itself, because I liked that, but when they're on top of the train. That's a good one. And because I think you can tell, like, I think that was a real stunt. Like, it looked pretty real. Like, because you can both tell they're both, like, balancing. Like, it doesn't seem natural. Yeah. So he's trying to like apprehend him, but he's also on top of a moving train. And you can tell that both actors are really clunky and like trying, they're trying to punch each other. But then again, you're on like a 60 mile an hour moving train. So I, I thought that scene was pretty clunky and a little bit off the whole eggplant scene. I was like, man, that's just a, that's just an awful way to go out being like eggplants, boom, <laughs> gone. Um, I thought, I thought those were. A couple nitpicks that I had. Uh, then we we find out that's legit. The the, the title I of the like movie, that. the code code of silence, was another one. Just in terms, like my least favorite thing in terms of just like, is this a real thing? Code of silence. So if if you're on the cop beat, I kind of like that though. And like your partner murders a teenager, implants a gun, and you see it, that you're supposed to just swallow that and live with it the rest of your life, or you break the code of silence. And how is a tough guy like that still known as Craigie? You don't think Craigie's a tough guy name? No. No. Craigie, no. Craigie's not a real tough guy name to me. Like, I mean, this guy's, a, this guy's a grizzled veteran, dirty cop, and he's Craigie. He's Craigie. Craigie. Hey, Craigie. Cra- me, yeah. me and Craig's are going to get out of the bag. Get, get a couple of brews. <laughs> Is he from Boston now? But Craigie. <laughs> I just don't like Craigie that much. But anyway, Craigie's it was. Craigie's got smart pox. He's got smart pox. <laughs> I'm going Code to the bar. Code of silence. I'm Code ha- of silence on smart pox. my cob on the harbor. With my smart talk. Okay, can we please talk about the who key is it? Pat that keeps calling. He's called twice. Yeah. Does he, he want to come on? He did his thing with with Sush. He said he was going till ten fifty. I told him on our production meeting that eleven uh, fifteen is when we would probably call eleven and eleven fifteen. We'll see if he calls back. But was he calling there for the second time to ask if we're ready? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> did you even ask? I, I actually picked up the phone and nothing happened. It might have been a fun guys, time. I got more here. Ready? Do you need me? Let, no. Well, there, there's way more. I'm not done there's, yet. No, I'm, not, I'm done. not done we yet. We need, done. we need to now get into. I brought it up briefly, but it's worth an entire discussion. The 1986 police robot that the Chicago Police Department had purchased. Yeah. Uh, Judd, it's called. The police prowler. I've got robot. it. Right, I've got it in. I've got it in my notes. The police prowler, which, by the way, which, by the way, was clearly the future was being unveiled before yeah. our eyes. And somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, Cusack gets his hands on this thing and turns it into a prolific killing machine. How do you feel? Can that we please discuss the this? Chicago Police Department had plans to unleash a one million dollar killing machine robot into the streets of Chicago to fix their problems. Oh, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some gang violence over there. 
Let's just send this robot in with like four bazookas and machine guns and just kill everybody. Um, did you notice the line when they're so they're unveiling this police prowler robot to the to the police department and they they cut to Chuck Norris and he calls it just it's another gun without a brain. Yes. And it and it, it was my epiphany that if Chuck Norris was a major league baseball front office guy, he would be anti analytics for sure. Oh yeah. Oh he he would have quit the A's in nineteen ninety nine. Yep. So here's my question though. So the police prowler, to get it right, is run by what looks like to be a big sort of burdensome, burdensome uh, remote control, right? Yeah. It's like almost okay. like a like a 1986 version of like a tablet or something. So when yeah. Cusack originally takes it uh, to fight the bad guys, he's got the remote control, which makes perfect sense. So yeah. he is. But about halfway through, Cusack starts to go fight the fight by himself and drops the remote control completely. Yeah. And the police prowler still manages to go through the motions of shooting a machine gun to kill the bad guys and yeah. to blow stuff up. Yeah, he put it in auto mode. Yep. Okay, is there... That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, like I was air, never like, clear... It's like an air fryer. Do you have an air fryer? I want one so bad. I don't have an air fryer. Yeah, they're great. we, we, so we got one last Thanksgiving. It's the best purchase of all time. That's, everyone says this. I had like Can four... shoot? I had four beers in me. We were at McCormick and Schmick's downtown on Black Friday, and we walked across the street to Target at like midnight and said, let's just see if there's any specials. I drunkenly got an air fryer. We that's use it like amazing. three times a week. It's great. And there's like so 10 settings So tell me more on. about how this works. There's 10 settings. On. You can go manual. Yeah. You can say, I okay. want it to be okay. this length of time at this temperature, so and you can go manual. Remote control. But what okay. we do is there's there's a button for fries. There's a button for chicken. There's yeah, a button for seafood. This is my kind there's, of cooking. There's different buttons you can push, and it just automatically senses. Like, wow. You put like a bag of frozen sweet potato fries in. You hit the fries button, and then it'll just beep when it's so done. So Cusack did that. He must have said, there must be a button that says like, uh, drug lord gangs in a warehouse. Blow, and you hit the hit the button, blow and, stuff up, and it knows like, all right, I got drug lord gangs in the warehouse. I'm busting out the big guns. Can I find one to target? I the am the prowler. police prowler robot. I, which which the first thing I, I thought of you. was Rocky. <laughs> yeah, three Mark or four. Rocky right? four. Yep, that's the first thing I thought of. Happy birthday, Polly. Polly, Happy Happy birthday, Polly. Which Stallone, in retrospect, hates, and he's cutting it out of the remake. No, he can't get rid of it. He is. He's going to cut that out because he hated it. Happy birthday, Polly. That's the first thing I thought of, though, upon seeing the police prowler was Rocky. Now, I'm glad you brought up this whole final warehouse sequence where he he brings in the police prowler robot. Because I think it's one of the most impressive action movie performances in terms of, all right, you're kind of on your own. You might have a sidekick. It might be a human. It might be a robot. But it's you're you're outnumbered. There's like 30 of them. They're all dangerous. They all have guns. They're all spread out, and it's up to you, man. Like you, it's it's LeBron James against the Golden State Warriors in the finals from two years ago, and Kevin Love's hurt, mm-hmm. and Kyrie's gone. Like it's on you. And I I gotta say it's it's one of the more impressive. Like Rocky beating Drago, that's a one on one matchup. How this does is, nobody, this is like how one does on thirty with a robot, man? How right. does Cusack not get killed? Because he's because he's got he's got Scotty Pippen the robot over right. there just playing defense on everybody. In the pool hall, how does he not get killed? I love how I love how too. Someone threw a pool ball at his up, head. Did they beat him up and throw him down some stairs and like that'll do him? Well, no, they told him. They said you've got until morning yeah. to produce Tony Luna, and if you don't, I'm going to kill the girl. So they were trying to keep him alive to go find Tony Luna, so that they could. It's still hilarious. You know, tie all the nuts. Uh, or Tony Luna, the nuts. By, by the way, not a great gangster. 
No, he just kind of he's kind of a coward. Yeah, he was not a good gangster. And then of course his car blows up. The production company here, if you if you remember at the beginning of the movie, you saw the old school Orion Pictures mm-hmm. production, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very eighties and early nineties movie production company. So I looked up Orion, and they did go out of business in the late nineteen nineties. So they, I think, they were founded like late seventies, and then they they produced movies into the nineties. So it's a, it's a very eighties and early nineties movie production company. Sure. And I looked at the list; they've got a full list of Orion movies that were produced over that period. It's unbelievable. How did they go bankrupt? Is my question. I don't. I, maybe they didn't. Maybe they did got they bought get out or something. Bought out or purchased? Basically, well, let's look it up real quick here. I, just want I, to make I sure. bet they did. All right. I pictures. bet they got absorbed by a bigger picture house <sighs> or production company. I should say. Yeah, they. Mm-mm-mm. I bet it was okay uh, since nineteen. Okay, since nineteen ninety seven, Orion has been owned by Metro Golden yeah. Mayor. Okay, they revived the Orion name in two thousand thirteen for TV. So that's good to know because. These movies, like, and this is just a partial list, Caddyshack, Rambo First Blood, mm. Platoon, Hoosiers, Bull Durham, Dances with Wolves, yeah. Silence of the Lambs, like, powerhouse production company. Absolutely. For like 20 years. Absolutely. Did you guys see, here's another one for you, that Chuck Norris, I was doing some Chuck Norris research. So Chuck Norris was a karate champion around the world throughout the late sixties and seventies. Like he was friends with Bruce Lee and that's, you know, then he gets into film. So he founded Chun Kuk Do. I got to be careful. I don't want to get in trouble here. Chun Kuk Do was, I guess you would call it a dojo or something. It's a a martial arts studio. Sure. And it was founded. Um, I believe it was founded while Chuck Norris was training in Korea when he was in the military. So he founded this Chun Kuk Do, which includes a code of honor and rules to live by. Have you ever read the ten, essentially the ten Chuck Norris rules to live by? No. This is this is not a joke or a bit. Okay. These are the ten Chuck Norris rules to live by. Number one, I will develop myself to the maximum of my potential in all ways. Let's grade ourselves, too, in our heads as we go through this exercise and see, are we living up good to hair. Chuck Norris? Good quote? hair is imperative. Yeah, I have good hair. You do? Number two, I will forget the mistakes of the past and press on to greater achievements. Yeah. <laughs> such, yeah. As, such as a film, maybe, that's not up to snuff anymore. Yeah, I, like I will continually work at developing love, happiness, and loyalty in my family. Yeah, I'm good at that. Okay. Close to my family, yep. Number four, I will look for the good in all people and uh, make them feel worthwhile. Well, then they kill too many people. No, no then they, no. no, I'm of, not asking you to compare these to the to what to the movie you just saw. I'm saying you, these I, are I'm Chuck just Norris's saying, rules I'm, to just live saying by. I'm disappointed. I can't do that. I, I Hugh Jack didn't like this. I, once I see bad in someone that I don't like, there's no good. I, you're done. I'm done. Number five, if I have nothing good to say about a person, I will say nothing. Uh, nope. sorry, yeah. Andrew Wiggins. Yep, I will be mean to people. Number six, I will always be as enthusiastic about the success of others as I am about my own. Get, out of, get out of Hollywood. I'm, I'm in the middle. You are yeah. not. You do not belong in Hollywood with that type of mantra. Number seven, I will maintain an attitude of open-mindedness. Yeah. Unless it's Craigie. Yeah. Then I'm just not. You can't plant a gun on a kid like that. Number eight, I will maintain respect for those in authority and demonstrate this respect at all times. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. 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 No question. Number nine, I will always remain loyal to my God, my country, my family, and my friends. Some of those, yes. Some of those, no. And number 10, I will remain highly goal-oriented throughout my life because that positive attitude helps my family, my country, and myself. 
Those are Chuck Norris. Yeah, the Metro of the Country thing. I, I'm sort of lost on that one. I'm I'm backing off now. Okay, so you guys are not batting a thousand. On no, I am a much bigger fan of Cusack than I am Norris right now. Okay, <laughs> let's just put it that way. All right, just kick ass, take names. What other ambiguous obs- about how old your girlfriend might be? What other observations oh. before we get to definitive bad guy rankings? Oh, okay, I got one for you. I'm sure it was on purpose because he's a blue collar cop. But could we have got the car painted before the movie? Yeah. Could we have got the car? He he executes. <laughs> I don't even remember what the car is. It's a piece of junk. It's, it's like an old Camaro or something. But, okay. He executes, at one point in the film, a perfect Rockford move, which is that spin, go yeah. backwards fast, hit the brake, and spin the car, which Rockford did on his show constantly, okay? But Rockford had a 1975... 73, something like that, Camaro. So it was awesome. This piece of crap would have blown up if you tried that move. That The car disappointed me. I, I'm not saying he had to have a great-looking car, but this thing looked like he went to the shop and got it off the lot and was like, I'll drive this. I legit don't even like remember what color the car was. I can tell you it, it, it was wasn't things, but it, it was, was like, like rusted. Wh- it was white with like rust on the rocket panel. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. a rocket panel. That's good. Yeah. All right. All right. Definitive bad guy rankings. All right. So far, the best bad guys we have ranked are Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, Ivan Drago from Rocky Four, the Russian mobsters from John Wick, Dennis Hopper from Speed, and Bodie from Point Break. Uh, Dom from Fast and the Furious is right in there, too. The worst ones are the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, and Sloan from Wanted, and then a bunch in the middle, like Le Chief from Casino Royale, Chong Lee from Blood Sports in the middle, the corrupt senator from Hard to Kill. So I think the bad guys in this movie, and a, and a couple things, we're, we're, we're ranking this based on a criteria of, were they iconic bad guys, like Hans Gruber's iconic, right? Were they iconic bad guys? Were they effective bad guys? Were they evil bad guys? Did they show charisma as bad guys? So all those are categories. The Camachos and the Lunas, I'm lumping in as all, like, the okay. bad guys are from two and rival. And the Camacho to me, he, he was the main one. Yes. Because I felt like he was sold more as a competent bad guy. That's fair. Yeah. But I think we have to include the Lunas, sure. too, because they were, so it's, so it's the Camachos and the Lunas. It, it's a mafia story. It's a gang and the, and the mafia. Yeah, okay. Here. So, I don't know. They're not, like, iconic. They were very effective, but I, also, like, outnumbered their opponent 30 to 1 and still couldn't win. What's so. the, the uh, so what, what's the middle group again? Smack dab in the middle, we have these five, I would say. Dom from Fast and the Furious, Lord Humongous from Mac, Mad Max 2, Molaram from Temple of Doom, Molaram. the rogue CIA agent from The Expendables, Angry terrorist Ivan from Air Force One and the corrupt senator from Hard to Kill. That's kind of your middle ground. I think they belong kind of in that yeah, I'd put, general area. I'd probably put them near the top of that group. Okay. That might be kind. But I thought he was a, I thought he There's was a decent not, bad guy, but he's not iconic. See, not like Molaram is more iconic from Temple of Doom because he like reached into the he had, a, he had a signature move, right? He reached right. into your heart and pulled your or into your chest yeah. and pulled your heart out. I would probably put him behind Molaram. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. Okay. I'm absolutely fine yeah, I'm, with that. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Good, I mean, good bad guys, um, but nothing where you said, whoa, great bad guy. Yeah. That, that's probably fair. 
All right, now we get to our official Seagal ranking system here, where we rank on a 1 through 10 scale how great this movie was or not. The top movies we have reviewed so far, Die Hard, that's a 10. That's the only 10 across the board. John Wick is a 9.3. Commando is a 9.2. Fast and the Furious and The Expendables, 8.8. Top Gun, 8.7. Roadhouse, 8.5. Hard to Kill, 8.5. Rocky IV, 8.2. And then Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break are all at an 8. At the bottom, the worst movies we have reviewed are Bloodsport is a 3. Mad Max (laughs) 2 is a 3.7. Wanted is a 3.8. Rambo 3 is a 4. Indiana Jones Temple of Doom is a 4.7. We'll start with Judd. One through ten scale. I'm going to give this, and I really enjoyed this film. Like I, this was fun. I really <laughs> it it fit so much of the formula that I love. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay, I think that's very fair. Yeah. Okay. I yeah I, I'd give it a seven and a half too. That's I, I was I was thinking seven and eight, and I, I definitely I don't think I can give it an eight because it was it wasn't iconic, but it it fits our bill and also Chuck Norris. This is like my first ever Chuck Norris film. I think he's excellent. We got to do another one. Like, I, there's, I, a, there's so many. He, yeah. There's like Delta Force. I know Steven Seagal's like cheesy, but like honestly, Chuck Norris is on a completely different level than Steven Seagal, and I've only seen one of one so far. I get that, so I don't have a big sample size, as the kids yeah. like to say. But I, I think Chuck Norris was phenomenal. So Nor- seven and a half. Chuck Norris has a wider range. Yes, he's got a wider range he's, for he's sure. Just better. He's just a better the actor. Thespian. Yeah, yeah. Thespian. I'm a little higher on it than you guys. This is the first time any of us have seen this movie. I gave it an 8.5. Okay. I just think I think That's Chuck fair, Norris yeah. is amazing, and I thought I thought there was enough action. There was a good plot. It was snappy. It didn't drag on, and uh, and you had enough cheese ball stuff. So I'm giving it uh, I'm giving it an 8.5, which brings it to a 7.8 overall score, making it the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteenth. Ranked action Hey-o. movie that we have ranked to this point. Go Craig! It's ahead of Lethal Weapon for us. Ooh, I'm surprised by that. What was Lethal Weapon? Seven point three. Didn't I? Hmm. Who did not like Lethal Weapon of us three? Must oh, been, I didn't. Must have been you, I dude. I didn't. Never <laughs> well, you mind. just I said didn't. who didn't. And I, you didn't. I, I, I get it. I got it mixed I love up. Lethal I Weapon. got it mixed up. I, I googled it. Saw the image. Yes, I didn't love Lethal. That's why. You want to shot the title? That wasn't great. Okay. The last scene is so great. The last scene ruined the movie for yeah, me. Just, I know, which is why why I loved it. Okay. That's the difference. It made it for me. It ruined it for you. <laughs> so, all right, I think it's Judd's turn. It is. Pick for next week. All right, Judley. All right, so I'm going to go to a film that actually I think is pretty good, but it, it's got flaws, and God bless flaws in films. Running time of an hour and 33 minutes, so it's not too long. In Classic. fact, it might be just right. From 2008. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. I'm going more recent. Taken. Yes! With wow. Liam Neeson. Wow. I love Taken. Taken. I, all right. I have never seen what? Taken. Oh, you haven't? Oh, you'll, you'll take it as... Oh, I love Taken. I think it's flawed, right, Dex? Like, oh, it's like, so flawed. Like, it's got flaws, yes. but it's just so enjoyable. This is one of the first movies ever watched illegally on the internet. And I'm admitting that. That's totally fine. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Hold on. I'll, I'll call yeah, uh, Seagal. This is great. I love Taken, dude. It's funny because I've never seen this movie, but I can recite like the main speech. That's right. what I was going to say. That's a particular yeah. set of skills. Yes. Yeah. Don't you don't, I will look for you. I, I will find you, you. And I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a particular it set takes, of skills. I'll say this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you a while as you watch the film unfold, Phil, to get your head around the fact that 
Liam Neeson is this big a badass. Right. Okay. Like yes. it takes like that's the fun. Yeah. Because at first you're like, well, no, really, really, Schindler's List, right? Right. And then you're like, oh my god, yeah, okay, cool. A particular set of skills. I, I did forget this skills. is 90 minutes. I, I felt like this movie was like two hours or something. I did too. I, but it's man, quick. It's, it's been a while since I've seen it's it. It's quick but. and it's fun and it it's flawed enough that it fits in perfectly with this um, segment. All right, that's a that's a wrap on uh, the 28th edition of Action Movie Rewind. Go Chuck Norris. One day I would like to give you a gift of a Colombian necktie. <laughs> Very special. You slit the throat, pull out the tongue, and I knew. <laughs> it would look beautiful. Why don't you give it to me right now? 